And we're here on the Cliff Notes Podcast. We got a full weekend of Griffin Athletics on the table, and I couldn't think of a better person to talk about all things Griffin sports with football and basketball than the voice of the Missouri Western Griffins, Tommy Rezach is back with us. Tommy, how are you? Good, Clifton. That's uh, I'm flattered by that introduction. Uh, that's there's a there's a lot of people that have been around this program a little bit longer than I have, but uh, it's been a good few good few months here settling in and covering all things Missouri Western. And uh, yeah, always good to talk with you and your listeners. Well, well, Tommy, we're going to go at it one step at a time here. First of all, let's start off on the football field. Um, Griff's. Um, Despite um, maybe not having the season that they thought they would have um, so far this year, um, they won their second straight. They won their second straight game at Spratt Stadium on Saturday, a 59 to 28 route of Central Missouri on Senior Day. Um, Tommy, you were on the call for this game. Um, just um, your thoughts on Griffin football getting a win at home? Yeah, just a, another feel-good day uh, for the Griffins uh, off the heels of a really good game at Missouri Southern. Now, granted, you know, like we've said these last couple of games, uh, you know, Missouri Western was three and five going into Joplin. Missouri Southern was three and five. You know, Missouri Western was four and five going into Central Missouri. They were facing a mule team that's three and six. I had said going into both of those games, I still believe it to be true. I said I think both of these teams are a little better than what that record indicates. But I think we've seen now these last couple of weeks who the truly better four and five, who the best sub 500 team is in the MIAA, it might be Missouri Western because the way they've played these last couple of weeks, they've shown themselves to be at times head and shoulders ahead of teams like Missouri Southern, Central Missouri, or Northeastern State. I know Northeastern, you know, a little bit worse than those two, but uh, no, in, in games where you feel like, oh, this is an even matchup, I think maybe Missouri Western's a little more talented than this opponent. Westerns proved that and then some. And, uh, you know, it took them a little while to, to pull away in this one, right? They got off to a – Western gets off to a good start, up 21-7. to seven. And to Central Missouri's credit, I mean, Logan Tweehouse, in terms of pocket presence, in terms of a quarterback making things happen, very impressive. One of the more impressive uh, quarterback performances against Western that I've seen this year. And the guy was under pressure all game. I don't think his offensive line did him any favors. I think UCM only ended up with about 70 rushing yards. He had to do a lot of stuff himself. And to his credit, he kept him. He kept his team in the game for a little more than three quarters. I mean, the guy threw for four touchdowns. He's got a potentially an All-American in Cam Saunders, their wide receiver, who's closing in on a single-season record with over 1,300 receiving yards. So he had some weapons to throw to. And again, I, he was keeping his team in it. But Chris Roush, who was on the sidelines with me on for that game, he and I said on the air, I said, you know, the way Missouri Western's moving this football on offense, it feels like they kind of should be dominating. I mean, they are just pushing UCM around their front seven, just pushing them around, running the ball at will. And finally, in that fourth quarter, it all kind of came together. I mean, Missouri Western just keeps scoring the football on the ground. You know, they had eight rushing touchdowns. Uh, all their all their, all their points came from uh, rushing touchdowns and then point after. So that was uh, good to see. And then Thomas Topcho also had a field goal in that game. So, but yeah, all their touchdowns were – rushing scores by five different guys. And then finally the defense started to get some stops right in a row. It seemed like UCM, they stalled on their first couple of drives, and then they had a streak of like three or four straight scoring scoring drives, touchdowns that kept them in that game for a long time. And then finally, when the defense finally got that first stop and then another one, 
Missouri Western was just able to move the ball time and again. It seemed like Central Missouri's defense was pretty gassed by the end of it. So it just really came together very well for, for Western in the fourth quarter. Uh, Central Missouri's offense didn't cross the 50-yard line in the fourth quarter. Uh, seven sacks. I mean, that's after Missouri Western got six total sacks through the first nine games. They got seven in the UCM game alone. So I think that's really satisfying. I think Western, you know, was getting pressure on quarterbacks all year. It just wasn't showing up in the stat sheet. It finally did on Saturday. So that was kind of a nice uh, extra uh, bonus for Missouri Western to see that come to fruition. And, uh, yeah, senior day, you know, eight seniors, many of them starters or major contributors. You know, there's some holes to fill there. But to send those guys out the right way, Matt Williamson said it was highly important for him to win that game. And, and they did it. You know, they finished the year four and two at home. You know, they went back to back for the first time since September. Uh, they beat Central Missouri for the first time since 2014. Uh, you know, obviously playoff is out the window. Bowl game is out the window for Missouri Western. And I think there is some maybe disappointment when you look back at some of those early games, say you flip a couple of them and then you wonder, would we be on the outside looking into the playoff spot? Would Missouri Western be in the talk for a bowl game? I mean, maybe, but, you know, none of that does any good now. So there's maybe still a little bit of angst when you look back at the early part of the year and think, man, we truly were better than what we showed there. But just in the moment, in that moment last Saturday, a feel-good win and I, I think a really good chance for this team to go out on a high note against the Lincoln team that they're better. <laughs> Let's just face it, they're better than Lincoln about every phase. So uh, a chance to uh, beat a team that they match up well against here this Saturday. Absolutely. You can catch that game on the Griffin Sports Network on Saturday. I want to say it's 11 o'clock to start time and then 10 a.m. pregame. Am I correct on that, Tommy? You are spot on, Cliffy. Absolutely. Obviously, check that out. 680 KCQ Griffin Sports Network. Um, now we're going to transition into basketball. Um, we're going to talk about the men now. You and I spent a lot of time at the Civic Arena this past weekend for the small college basketball Hall of Fame Classic. Um, Griffin men, um, unfortunately, fell short in the first game in a game that they led a lot of the game. They fall short to Embry-Riddle, um, 83-77 to in overtime. But then Sunday was the big win for them. They come back the next day. Um, high off the disappointment, they come back and beat St. Thomas Aquinas, the eighth-ranked team in the nation, 93-82 to is the final. Um, Tommy, just talk about um, the men's basketball team's weekend at the Civic. Well, where to start? Uh, that was uh, quite a roller coaster. Uh, two really good games, lots of good performances, lots of big moments in both games. Uh, well, Embry-Riddle's no fluke, right? They were one of the three. Te- Embry-Riddle, Rockhurst, and Missouri Western were the only three unranked teams at the Small College Basketball Hall of Fame Classic, and all were pretty good teams. I think we saw that, and Embry-Riddle beat 21st-ranked Alabama-Huntsville 103-96. to I think they made like 23-pointers or something in that game. So Embry-Riddle, uh, a small little school out of Daytona Beach, this is only their fourth or fifth year being D2. They made the change in 2017 from NAIA, and <laughs> they're no slouch. I mean, that's a really well-coached team. Steve Ritter, their coach, has been there for 32 years. He's in multiple halls of fame. That's a really good program. Western was playing on Saturday night. And, yeah, Western almost won. You could argue maybe should have won. You know, the game was tied at the end of regulation. Western had the ball. Good amount of time on the clock. The ball was in the hands of Q Mays, who you would want because Q dropped 28 points in that game. Um, missed the shot in regulation. And then Embry-Riddle hits a big three 
uh, Elijah Jenkins, one of their preseason All-American point guards, hit the three. I think the first possession of overtime, and that kind of set the tone as Embry-Riddle outscored the Griffins 14-8 to in those final five minutes. But, um, you know, I thought Will Martin's tone was relatively optimistic after that game. He said, you know, uh, we did let what was at one time a 12-point lead for Western in that game. He's like, we let, we let a lead slip away. We were in foul trouble. We missed they were 16 of 29 at the foul line in that first game. So he's like, we missed some free throws. You know, none of those things are good, but same time, Q Maids dropped 28 and, and, you know, the team played well together, shot the ball. Well, they were six of their first six at the three point line to start. Um, uh, Will Eames dropped a double, double 14 points, 17 rebounds against Embry Riddle. So he's like, it's tough to lose in overtime, especially in front of your home fans, especially in the first game of the year. But he's like, we have no choice, but to respond and to just do better the next night because we got a top 10 team and lo and behold they did you know i was really curious to see how western would respond would they be hung over would they be disappointed after losing to embry riddle could they hang with a st thomas aquinas team that like you saw clifton presses the living heck out of people i mean st thomas aquinas just press and press full court every possession like is western after turning it over you know 20 times against embry riddle are they going to survive this press defense of St. Thomas Aquinas. And they did, you know, the Missouri Western shot it very well. I, I don't have the stats in front of me. I think they made 18 threes in that game. Yeah, they did nine per half. Uh, Caleb Bennett scores 19 points on five for five shooting from three. Reese Glover ties a program record with eight made threes. He scores 24 and guess what? Q Mays has another huge night leads the team in scoring again with 25 points. And then uh, defensively, uh, they forced – I think Missouri Western did a great job of forcing a lot of outside shots from St. Thomas Aquinas. Now, the uh, Spartans in that game made a lot of long-range jumpers but never got hot from beyond the arc the way Missouri Western did. And the Griffins were 9 of 13 from three in the second half. I mean, that was the difference. Every time St. Thomas Aquinas maybe got it back to two possessions or got it back to single digits – Reese Glover, Caleb Bennett, Hugh Mays, you name it, would go down the other way and hit a big shot. And you just never, for those final 10 minutes, there wasn't really ever a lot of doubt. It just felt like Missouri Western had the momentum throughout. Yeah, St. Thomas Aquinas, they closed the door. It was 87-82 with like two minutes left. What does Hugh Mays do? Goes the other way, gets fouled, makes a basket, makes a free throw, gets an old-fashioned three-point play. Uh, You know, St. Thomas Aquinas misses a shot in the final 40 seconds. Griffin's rebound, Reese Glover with a with a uh, dagger three inside the final 20 seconds, and uh, that's a big win. I mean, it's early. It's very early in the season, first two games, but that's only the third-ranked team that Will Martin's beat, and his second year is just getting started. And this is the first time Will Martin has a non-conference schedule. You know, they had to play an all-MIAA schedule last year, so that's a big win. I mean, that sends a statement to the rest of the MIAA, to your rivals like Northwest, saying like, hey – you know, we're, we may not be ranked yet. We did lose our first game, but we got something here. This this team, I think, has some depth. We've talked about all the returning talent, six of the top eight uh, scorers coming back. Replacing Tyrell Carroll is no small task, but offensively, they seem up to it. Now, on the defensive side, I think there's still a little question of, you know, just defending the lane and finding solid post play. I think Alex John's certainly capable. Well, Alex John had a combined nine fouls through those first two games, fouled out. Uh, against Embry-Riddle. Uh, Tony Chukwumike had seven rebounds against Embry-Riddle, but barely played against St. Thomas Aquinas, and you're not getting a lot of offensive production from either of those guys right now. 
So I think that's maybe one thing you look at. I think that's one piece Western was missing last season was a consistent, solid post, someone who could play that five spot really, really well. Um, you know, and I think Alex, John, Alex and Tony are good players. I think you have some freshmen who could also come off the bench and maybe do some things there. But uh, I tell you what, I mean, this Western team can shoot. I mean, they shot a bunch of threes against Embry. They made a bunch of threes against St. Thomas Aquinas. I mean, they put up 90-plus against a really good St. Thomas Aquinas team. I mean, that's a Spartan team that's won their league five of the last six years. They've been to six straight NCAA tournaments. They were in an Elite Eight in 2017. So, again, really, really good competition in that small college basketball Hall of Fame Classic. And Missouri Western lived up to it. Really, really big win. And with that, I'm really excited to see what they do in Kansas City against more quality competition. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know I'm going to be spending a little bit of time in Kansas City. Um, I know the Central Region Challenge is coming up at Municipal Auditorium. Both of those games will also be on the Griffin Sports Network Friday and Sunday. Uh, first up, Minnesota State, and then Henderson State up on Sunday. Uh, Tommy, just your thoughts on um, the Griffins and the Central Region Challenge? Well, I mean, it's a lot of what I think about the Small College Basketball Hall of Fame Classic. You know, you're going to see some teams that you wouldn't Otherwise, you're going to see some quality opponents. I know Henderson State was receiving both. Minnesota State, Mankato not, but if, to my knowledge, they play in the Northern Sun Intercollegiate Conference, which is a very good league. That's where Northern State plays and, and uh, some of those other schools up there in Minnesota, the Dakotas, and Wayne State's a member of that league as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be quality. Um, and you look at that field, you know, a lot of our small college basketball Hall of Fame Classic participants, Northwest. Uh, Missouri Western, Northern State, they're going to be down there. Uh, Washburn's going to be there. I want to say, like, Augustana's going to be there. Like, a lot of really good uh, competition again. And, yeah, just a whole mess of games all three days. And uh, to be fair, I haven't done a ton of prep on the opponents yet, and I and uh, so I'll know more as the week goes on. But, um, no, I mean, these are two – you know, neither of the opponents Western's going against are ranked. I don't think that really matters. Uh, this is a big-time environment, Municipal Auditorium. It's, the, it's where the MIAA tournament's always been. So, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of fans there and fans of other programs. There's going to be a lot of people, a lot of different coaches and players from around the country taking in the game. So I think it's a really good opportunity here for Western to show their stuff against, you know, a bunch of people that may not see them the rest of the year. You know, it's a time to kind of showcase your, your team and your talents and uh, – pick up some more quality wins against non-conference opponents. So, yeah, I expect I would expect both games to be fairly close. I would expect Western to come in feeling pretty confident after beating a top-10 team. But I guess I would say the only thing is you can't feel overly confident about that. Again, it's early. There's only two games under your belt so far. So you got to treat these games like you would any other. you got to treat it like it's a top-10 team every night. you got to bring your best because, you know, college basketball, it's, a, it's an amazing sport. We love this game. But – at the same time, it's like you just never know when you're going to get beat, you know. So you got to bring your absolute best every night if you hope to have a, a winning record. You know, it's hard to win in this sport sometimes, especially in these types of tournaments where you're facing quality teams all the time. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Couple of night games. I think the crowd should be uh, pretty good. Um, yeah, I know Will Martin uh, is looking forward was looking forward to a full week of practice to get ready. And I think they'll be ready, you know. I, I, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't say if they'll win both. But Western plays the way they did at the Small College Basketball Hall of Fame Classic. If they're able to play that way consistently the rest of the year, 
they're going to have a chance against any team they play. You know, Coach Martin's two goals, the only two goals he set out for his team this year is be the most unified team in the nation and play your best basketball in March. So his mantra is, among the several mantras he has, but his mantra this year is progress over perfection. So it's like, for him, his team doesn't have to play perfect night in, night out. You know, they don't have to make eight threes every single night. But as long as they're kind of chipping away, as long as they're making kind of small increments toward playing their best basketball at the end of the year, to him that's progress, you know. But obviously along that road, you're going to play some good opponents like Henderson State and Minnesota State Mankato. So for, it's a long-term thing is what Coach Martin's getting at, right? It's a long season, you know, you know take it one game at a time. But uh, it goes back to what I said. you got to bring it every single night. you got to bring the energy. you got to play well in all phases and uh, hope you come out on top. So, yeah, we'll see. Should be a good challenge. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't called a game at Municipal before. Um, it's good to have non-conference games back, right? I mean, we didn't have this last year. Uh, was, you, know, you had these, like, invitationals where everybody's coming in from everywhere and there's full crowds again and just feels right, feels normal. And, yeah, looking forward to see how, what Western does. Absolutely. And um, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the women's basketball team. You talked about um, – yeah having a having a um, non-conference game this year which by the way I am I am ecstatic about but I bet you the women's team is probably more ecstatic than I am about having non-conference basketball back and exhibitions and scrimmages because they didn't have that last year with a young roster but you took in their their exhibition and their scrimmage for the last couple weeks they had one against Peru State and living the dream um Tommy just your thoughts on how the uh, women's basketball team looks so far well, in a word, good, right? I mean, they scored 103 against Peru State. I think 14 different players scored in that one. Uh, Corbin Cunningham, right? I mean, the return of Corbin, you know, I think this is kind of her, uh, not revenge tour, but rather just getting back to being herself tour, right? I mean, she was first team all MIAA in 19 and 20, uh, led that group to a 20-plus win season, led her team in rebounding and scoring in the 2019-20 season, and then she was out for all but three games last year due to injury. Still showed some stuff in those last three games of this past March of 2021, but she was completely out of shape, in the words of Coach Whitaker. So, but Corbin Cunningham, I mean, she was literally, I think it was the Peru game. She was seven for seven from the floor. She scored, Corbin did, double figures uh, in both of those uh, exhibitions, scrimmages against Peru State, and then Live in the Dream, which is a traveling team from Kansas City made up of former college basketball players, including four from the MIAA. So, um, you know, it's, it's hard to ream a lot out of those because they are exhibitions. They don't count toward your record. Peru is an NAIA school, so, you know, that's a, a lower level of competition. But, uh, no, I mean, live basketball is live basketball. You know, it always counts for something when you do good things against a team that's not yourself, you know, and uh, playing in those game atmospheres. It, I think it helps a lot. And so, yeah, I think this team, there's some depth there, right? I mean, they, like the Missouri Western men, they returned so much from last year. They returned their lead scorer, uh, Brianna Budgets, and um, they bring back Camille Evans, who was a good point guard for them uh, last year. They added some pieces like Jalen Haggard, Northwest Missouri State's all-time women's basketball leader in three-point shooting. So, and also, I guess what comes to mind, too, is uh, a couple of new players. Well, we're talking about new faces. Uh Alyssa Benia, who's a true freshman point guard out of uh, Texas, I want to say the El Paso area, 
I mean, that she is a spark plug, uh, to use Candy Whitaker's uh, term. Very fast, very crafty, very fearless, very aggressive. At shoot, you know, she she can uh, drive the lane, she can shoot it from deep. Very aggressive on defense, gets a lot of steals. Get got in a little foul trouble at times. I mean, she's a freshman; she'll learn these things. But uh, man, does she bring something to this team when she's on the floor? I mean, just an extra. Just that extra gear, I guess, uh, to put it lightly. You almost have to see it to really experience it. I mean, she's a versatile guard. She'll fill the stat sheet. And then the other uh, person to talk about is Trinity Knapp, a uh, transfer from Division One Missouri State. Played very sparingly in Springfield. I think she came off the bench a little bit her first year there. And then this past season, I think she played for like three games and then opted out, uh, you know, with the ongoing pandemic and stuff. But, no, I mean, she settled in. I think she started either one or both of those exhibitions, and she scored double digits both times. And, again, you know, she's shown the ability to pass the ball, get in the lane, you know, shoot uh, tough shots from the corner and things like that. So there's a, it's a whole blend. It's still a young team. I mean, let's be clear. I think they lost two seniors from last year, and they had to play a whole bunch of freshmen in 2020-21. But this year, you know, everyone's back. Everyone has that extra experience under their belt. Even the players that are redshirt freshmen or, or sophomores this year, they have a lot of experience. And so I think that counts for a lot. Um, you know, they were – I think they were picked eight in the league by both the coaches and media. So, you know, they're still very green. There's still a lot of unknowns there. But uh, I, I think they have options. I think they have a couple of different lineups that they can run with. You know, you got a really reliable uh, forward slash center who can score at a high clip in Corbin Cunningham. I, I think, uh, you know, Brianna Budgets is kind of that reliable player you leaned on last year. She's going to get you probably about eight points, five rebounds per game a night. And, uh, yeah, you added the transfers. Connie Clark, that's another one uh, from the JUCO ranks in Alabama that came in this year. She did a lot of good things. I think she scored in double figures in at least one of those exhibitions. So, now they get to do it for real in the Hilliard Women's Basketball Tip-Off Classic. And much like the men, they got two teams. No, they're not ranked, but they come from really good leagues. Uh, Sioux Falls plays in the NSIC. Uh, that's a historically good program. And then they play Southeastern Oklahoma State Saturday afternoon. Again, not ranked right now, but a historically good team. And two teams you just don't know a lot about uh, without, you know, that you wouldn't see ordinarily. So, And that's pretty quick turnaround. The women play Friday night, 730 and they play 3.30 Saturday afternoon. So that's not a lot of time to scout that second opponent in southeastern Oklahoma State. And that's a team, southeastern Oklahoma, they play a top-10 Fort Hayes State team on Friday afternoon. So, I mean, they're going to be pretty battle-tested uh, when they get into that game on Saturday afternoon. But in short, really excited about this women's group. I mean, I really am. I think they're kind of a dark horse in the MIAA right now. There's a ton of unknown. There's a lot of youth. But what I saw was a team that seemed to gel together well, seemed to communicate well. They shared the ball extremely well. Cliff, they had 32 assists against Peru State. And I know it's, a, it's an exhibition against an NAIA school, but good stats are good stats. And they had many of them in both of those exhibitions. So really, really excited and eager to see what they do when they do it for real. Now, unfortunately, I won't get to watch the women this weekend because I'm with the men Friday night, and then I'm in Jeff City with football Saturday. So uh, uh, John Roushkob and the guys at Western are going to help me kind of fill that seat so the games will still be on the air so I won't get to watch those first two games but beyond that, no, I think this team they were 6-16 six and 16 last year I think they take a big step forward here in 2021-22 uh, 20, I mean at the very least they're going to be playing in the MIAA tournament 
Definitely. A lot of fun action uh, this weekend coming up in Griffin Athletics, and I think it's uh, no time better than now to um, promote the uh, Griffin Sports Network and 680 um, KFDQ. Um, Tommy, where can, uh, again, where can, where can fans just catch all the action at? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Cliffy, because it's a little bit different this weekend, given, you know, we got the men and the women playing at the same time on Friday, and we got football followed by women's basketball on Saturday. So, Friday night, uh, if you want to hear the men, they tip off at 745. That is on 680-95.3, kind of our flagship KFEQ. If you want to hear the women on Friday night, that is on our sister station, Joetown 107.5, where you hear the Griffin Luncheon every Monday at noon. 107.5 FM, 1550 AM, if you want to hear the women on Friday night. But then Saturday, it's a double dip. I mean, we're talking back-to-back football coverage starting at 10, Griffins at Lincoln University, kickoff at 11. And as soon as we get done there, we're, you know, we're going to do post-game, talk to Coach Williamson, and then by the time that's done, we're probably going to send it to the Missouri Western Fieldhouse for Missouri Western women's basketball, also on KFEQ. So men's basketball on KFEQ Friday night, women's basketball Friday on Joetown 107.5. And then Saturday, I mean, make your mimosas, Bloody Marys, make your brunch, turn on KFEQ at 10 a.m., and then just stay tuned because we'll have a full game of football and then women's basketball to follow Saturday afternoon on 680 and 95.3 KFEQ. And then, of course, uh, local sports coverage on the Griffins and everything else at stjosephpost.com. So that's where you'll find some game recaps and, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, and then our broadcast schedule, gogriffins.com. They do a good job there. I mean, they have links to where you can listen online and things like that. And the KFEQ mobile app. I think Joetown 107.5 also has a mobile app. So, Lots of different ways to listen. So, uh, yeah, let the games begin. And absolutely, I'll, I'll post up. I'll post up all that schedule on um, the Cliff Notes Podcast Twitter page for those who want to catch Griffin women, Griffin men, Griffin football, all that good stuff. But um, Tommy Rezach, again, thank you so much, man, for coming on the podcast. I know that's a, a lot of stuff to be talking about. We're going to be intersecting here um, probably for the next couple weeks here, but. Um, Thank you so much for um, coming on, and uh, good luck to you you guys all during your coverage this weekend. Appreciate it, Clifton. Yeah, thanks to all the listeners. Thanks to the sponsors. Thanks to anybody, you know, gotten some nice notes and messages from people who I've listened and been very complimentary and supportive. And, yeah, man, this is this is fun. Um, yeah, kind of thankful crossover season's over, at least on the Missouri Western side of things. Griffins have their uh, final football game, and, We'll see, we saw some high school football playoff games out there. But, uh, no, really excited to have, you know, kind of sink my teeth in. And I think it's going to be a fun winner at, at the Looney uh, for Missouri Western. So, if you can't listen on the radio, I'd say come out and see a game because these are fun teams. Absolutely. Get your tickets. Go Griffins.com. Tommy, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon, my, my, my guy. All right, thanks, Clifton. Good talk with you.